This is Wahasu, the World Happiness Summit. Feel the science. Hi, uh, this is Karen Guggenheim, and I'm here with uh, Lori Santos from Yale University at World Happiness Summit 2019 in Miami. And we're so excited to welcome you, Lori. I know you've, you're uh, very um, in, uh, in demand speaker all over the world. You've been at Davos, you're all over the place and uh, you've made such a significant contribution, not only to the students at Yale, but to the people all around the world, and certainly in our conference here today. Thank so you. I'd like to welcome you, and if you could uh, give us some um, understanding or, or, or your, your point of view of what's happening right now with the global happiness movement. Yeah, I mean, I think it's really an exciting time uh, to be thinking about positive psychology, to be kind of sharing positive psychology. You know, in some ways, none of this stuff is new. You know, it's like a two, three decade old mm -hmm. science. But I think we're realizing more and more that people need to hear this stuff. Um, I think people are realizing the old ways of, you know, be individualist, be capitalist, like go out and get mm -hmm. as much stuff for you. It's just not working. You know, we have more stuff than we've ever had in generations, but it's not making us happier. And so I think people are really seeking, and it's exciting to see that they're seeking answers in the science, right? Mm -hmm. Not like, yes. woo, but yes. like, you know, what does the research tell me? Yes. I love that you mentioned that because <clears throat> our, our conference, um, the World Happiness Summit, is not a, a scientific conference, but we're science-based. And so what we're trying to do is to be a bridge between the science and the people and the emotion so that people can actually feel it. And um, do you see this happening? Uh, also, the people, what do your students say about, about the science and how do they react when, uh, after they've gone through the exercises in the course? Yeah, so I think you have to, I mean, I think one of the, the purposes of the course I teach is to try to translate the science mm -hmm. into action for the mm -hmm. students and to do that in a way that makes it really easy for them. You know, we use, in our class, we use these rewirements, which, you know, is just a fancy word for, like, the tips that the science is telling us, you know, meditate, sleep more, mm -hmm. like, mm -hmm. experience gratitude. Um, but you need to do that translation for them. You know, it's, it's not going to be the case that you can just read a scientific paper and know exactly what to do. I think you need some help with the translation. So it's awesome that places like the summit are doing that. But no, I see more and more as people start doing these kinds of practices, you know, as the research mm -hmm. suggests, they kind of just get happier. And so we're only at the beginning of collecting data through our online class about the impact of doing these practices. But so far, the data seem really good. You know, we get significant increases and people's self-reported well-being, self-reported life satisfaction after doing these kinds of exercises that we oh, talk awesome. about in the course. And where can people go and take this online course to help you with your research? What can we do to help you, you know, this is, this is very exciting, this is what we're about, and we would love to contribute in some way for you to have greater research and we can get that out to people. Yeah, so you can uh, take the online class okay. at www.coursera.org. Okay. The name of the class is called The Science of Wellbeing. Okay. Um, and you'll get a kind of shortened version of the class I teach okay. at Yale, but you'll also be able to opt into a study where we can collect data. And you know, the more people we get from different countries, different backgrounds, all the better. And that's very important to, to contribute to the data. That's really important. So that way, you know, I, I'm sure that you hear this all the time. People are trying to quantify the return on the investment. And I think we really need to have governments and then also uh, corporate America buy-in to be able to transform the world. And, and they're always asking me, and I'm sure they ask you, what's the return on, show me the science yeah. works. What can you show me? What can you prove? Because obviously it's very hard to measure happiness, right? But, uh, but you're doing it. You're trying to, to measure it. And so that's really important. Yeah, we want to make sure that 
you know, all the stuff that we're preaching, it actually works. We know it works in the studies, yeah. you know, it's taken directly from the studies, but you know, when you scale it up, does it work? Does it work across different populations? You know, that's what we're really trying to test. Um, the other plug I'll give is uh, in part to try to translate this work even more. Okay. I'm starting a new podcast this summer called, oh, called The Happiness Lab. Okay. Um, it'll be released sometime in June. Okay, very, very exciting. So thank you for, very much for taking time of your very busy schedule. <laughs> the talk was amazing. Thank you. And we're very grateful for you. So thank, thank you. you. And thank, thank you, you for all the fantastic work you do. Laurie, thank you for being here. Laurie Santos is a professor of psychology at the University of Yale. And actually, she's teaching the most popular course of happiness at Yale. And uh, it's wonderful to have you here at the World Happiness Summit. Uh, are you ready for a few questions? Yeah, definitely. Personal thanks questions for, thanks are for okay? Me. Yeah, totally. Beautiful. What made you switch to positive psychology and what made you offer this course? Yeah, so I started offering the class in part uh, because I was seeing this mental health crisis on campus up close and personal. So I was a professor at Yale for 16 years, but two years ago I became a head of college which means I was living on campus with the students. And honestly, I was just seeing, you know, they're so future-oriented, they're so stressed all the time, they're, they're sleep-depriving themselves. It was just awful when I saw it really up close. And I thought, this is crazy because we know scientifically that all the things they're doing are bad for their well-being, right? And so I decided to teach the class, honestly, to help them. I thought, like, if I could just show them the studies that, that show that what they're doing is wrong, they'll behave better. Um, honestly, I just wanted the students to sleep more. <laughs> it was like, design the whole class um, to do that. Um, but I think the second reason, you know, I designed the classes, I saw a lot of myself in them. You know, I, I could kind of feel like I wanted to help them and I wanted them to do better, but it was also a little bit about doing better myself. Uh, and so I kind of retrained in positive psychology so I could teach this class, um, not knowing how many students would take it. And then it, it went a little viral. Uh, and, and just under 1,200 students took the class. Beautiful, beautiful. What do you think about the relationship between uh, happiness and growth? Because many people say they are growing through hardship, if you yeah, want. Yeah. Uh, so are happy people more prone to grow or actually they stop growing because they are happy? Yeah, I think, I think you know, my metaphor that I use for happiness is like happiness is kind of like a leaky tire. Right, like it, it does take kind of constant work to build it back up. It does take certain set of practices. And so I actually think is happiness is sort of integral to growth. Like to be happy, it means you have to be like filling your tire up. You have to be growing even more. And so I think that, you know, thinking about growth through resilience and so on, I think those are opportunities to become happier, opportunities to have moments where you fill up your leaky tire over time. Mm. Um, I'm teaching a course in Europe that is called The Economics of Happiness and um, in a few interviews uh, I kept getting this question, isn't that an oxymoron? <laughs> what do you think about it? Yeah, well I think, you know, I have a new perspective on this. I was just at Davos at the World Economic Forum, um, you know, where these major world leaders, you know, talking about the economy and talking about all these things. And our session on happiness was the one that was like one of the most oversubscribed at Davos. We had over 100 people waiting to try to get into our session on happiness. Mm. And that caused me to think, you know, I think, you know, for too long these things have been separate. You know, for too long these things have been thought of as an oxymoron, right? They're like, oh, well, there's economics and then there's like, you know, that foofy happiness stuff. But I think folks are starting to realize that these things are much more integrated than we've thought and that they, they have to be integrated. You know, all the kinds of things we're trying to do 
um, in terms of economics is to like improve well-being, is to make people happier. We might just be going about it the wrong way. And I think that was a nice thing you know, to see so many people kind of waiting to get in at Davos. It was like, people are getting this. You know, like people who really are thinking about finance are getting this. You know, one of the people who got in was the governor of the Bank of England. Uh, Mr. Carney was able to get in. It was like, you know, these, these guys aren't going to, you know, like different macro-econ like sessions. Like they want to hear about happiness too. Mm, beautiful. What's your happiness workout? My happiness workout. Well, I, I tend to be not a naturally happy person. You know, if you look at the, you know, some, some of happiness is in our genetics, and I think mine naturally is not to be so happy. So that means I have to do a lot of practices. And so my happiness workout is um, to make sure I take time to meditate, I actually do loving kindness meditation, which helps a lot, um, to take time for social connection and to really work at it. Um, and then, you know, for me, yoga and exercise, I try to get some yoga in every day, and those are, but those, if I'm doing that regularly, I can, all, all those three practices regularly, I can sort of feel a difference in my day-to-day well-being. What about this um, permanent behavioral change that people are looking for? People yeah. are at this conference because they want to change, they yeah. want to get better, and they do not want to have this uh, hype in this moment mm-hmm. and then go back to the same old. Yeah. What would you suggest, based on your experience and, and the experience of your students, to really create this solid base for permanent behavioral change? Yeah. Well, I think it takes, it takes two things first. One is like recognizing that it's just going to take work. You know, you're not going to come to the happiness summit and walk out and be like, I paid my, you know, $300, now I'm good. Like, happiness is like a leaky tire. It's just going to take work every day. And I think coming to terms with the fact that you have to work at it is, is the first important step. Like, it's not going to be permanent. Like, you're always going to be working at this. I think the second thing is learning what you're supposed to do to work at it. Because I think we kind of get it wrong. You know, these, you can look in popular conceptions of this and you get things like treat yourself, you know, um, or, you know, like, like spend lots of money or like buy these things and, you know, Instagram, Instagram. And I think those things are just wrong. I mean, the science suggests those things are wrong. We should be more other oriented. We should try to be present. Um, we should not be thinking about the future and so on. And so, um, and so I think what the science can do to help people is to give people the right steps. People need to realize that they have to work at it, but they have to work at it the right way. Thank you. Uh, I'm going to give a speech on values and happiness, and I'm wondering what are your top three values? Uh, well, if you look at the, the VIA, you know, the character strength type values, um, humor is one uh, that's really high um, for me. Uh, I think, you know, when you can laugh at life and laugh with people, it can be really powerful. Um, a second one is like really trying to, to help and make a connection. Um, and I try to do that personally, you know, by really trying to share this, this work as much as possible and with as many people as possible. You know, we put the, the class online uh, completely for free. And I think folks were really kind of like, really, you can make a lot of money with that. I was like, no, I just, I just want to get it out, you know, just to have everybody to have access to it. And so, and I think when I'm doing things that live up to my, to those values kind of, you know, connecting with people, kind of being funny, um, but also really feeling like I'm in, in my own way with my own strengths doing good in the world. You know, I'm a happier person. Beautiful. What is your life purpose? What is my life purpose? Um, I mean, honestly, it's been humbling and kind of crazy to have stumbled into this new role as sort of a like fake happiness guru. You know, I, I taught the class in part just because I wanted to help students, but it's gotten so much attention that you know now I'm here at the Happiness Summit, I'm talking to you and other experts. 
um, I think, you know, I might not have said this a few years ago, but now it feels like my life purpose is that, you know, I have this platform to share this work um, and this opportunity to do that, and I'm trying to take as much of an advantage of that as possible. Mm-hmm. So you feel you are in perfect alignment with it when yeah. you're dedicating as much time as it deserves? Yeah, and, and trying, and I think the thing that's tricky about that is finding the right balance with you know, making sure I'm not straying from those practices, making sure I have enough time and mental space to practice what I preach. What would you suggest to anybody who want to start this process of being happier, maybe without taking a formal course or a course online? What would you suggest them to do? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, get that you don't want to take a formal course about it, but I think, you know, one of the things that I've learned from the research is that when we go about trying to make ourselves happy, we often do it wrong. Like our mind is telling us the wrong things to do. So I actually think even if you don't want to take a formal course, you should try to learn the kinds of things that the research really suggests will work. Otherwise, you're going to be chasing after things like money and accolade. Like you might just be putting a lot of effort in, but going in the wrong direction. So even if you don't want to take an online course, you know, check out like different blogs on happiness and so on. I think one of the great things about living in the modern age where so many people are popularizing this work is that there's easy places to go to learn more about the science. How much time should we dedicate to happiness on a daily basis? I know probably it's hard to define, but just to get started, what would you suggest? I think so, so the way I try to do it at least is to find moments where I could be filling up that leaky tire of happiness and, and switch my behavior a little bit to do that. You know, so take a, a, a simple one, you know, I'm stuck in line, like waiting for a coffee somewhere. Like I could be stuck in line, I could, you know, go online and sort of waste my time, or I could take a moment to be present. You know, here, here's a moment where I can stop and just feel my breath, right? Or here's a moment where I could just like connect with the person who's standing next to me in line. Um, so it's, it's kind of cheesy to say we should all the time we should be promoting happiness, but I think there are moments where we can be doing things that we, we forget to, to bump up our well-being, really tiny steps. And so it doesn't have to be like, I spend exactly 25 hours a week. It's more like whenever you have an opportunity to be doing something slightly better, just do that. And, and if you do that a lot, then it becomes habit, it becomes rote, it doesn't take as much work. Any final comment would you like to share? Well, thank you for you know, bringing the science of happiness to more people um, and for being part of the Happiness Summit, and thanks for having me on. Thank you for being with us. That's been a true pleasure. Oh, thank thank so you. Much. Thank you. You're listening to the World Happiness Summit podcast. For more information, check out our website at worldhappinesssummit.com or send us an email at contact at Thank you for listening.